Live stream still working? Awesome. We were having a few technical difficulties, but it all worked out. What a great day. Every day is a great day with Jesus. He wakes us up in the morning. He is worthy of our worship and our praise. So we are in December of 2020. We made it. <laughs> we made it. Um, it has been a while. Can we turn this down a little bit? Is it possible? Or am I always like this? It feels really super bright. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. I got it. All right. Um, we're in December of 2020. It has been a crazy, wild ride this year. But we only have this chapel left and the next week where Pastor Jared will come and preach to you guys. <laughs> and then we're done because we have winter break, we have Christmas, and then we'll come back in January and be together again. But I want to be able to just kind of encourage you this morning before or this afternoon before we get into 2021. Because my prayer for all of you as students is that you would continue to stand strong in these times. The, the title of my message is A Heart of Discernment. And I want to make sure that I encourage you, like I said, to stand strong in these times, that you would stay close to Jesus, that you would meditate on his word and on his law, that you would follow the good shepherd wherever he goes, stay in step with the spirit of God. Because if 2020 did anything for us, it truly revealed what is in the hearts of many people. Especially those in the church. And it's still happening right now. You saw strength in some people. Strength that you never saw before. And then in others, you saw other characteristics that you didn't know that were there. Though they look strong, the moment that persecution came, the moment that the trials came and it touched a piece of their life that they weren't used to, maybe their family or their job or something else, maybe they're willing to deal with it in a different way, but when it touched that particular part, their heart was exposed. I know, looking back through 2020, that Jesus literally has carried us through this year. Does anybody agree with me? Come on, now we're here. We're at the finish line. Looking back and looking forward, like he carried us, and we could be sure that he will carry us in 2021 also. We don't know what it holds. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> I think this, this year kind of proved that to us. We never know. What, what can happen? What's going to happen around the corner? It's not just normal times anymore. And this is what I want to make sure that you guys are able to do is discern the times that we're living in. So my prayer is that through all the noise, that your eyes would be quick to spot when things are not from God, that your ear would be tuned into the voice of the Holy Spirit, and that you would continue to be grieved when you hear things that are so off, even when Christians are preaching certain things, that you would be grieved because it's a good thing. That means you're in step with the Spirit of God and that you're able to discern. I don't want you guys to start flirting with ideas and ideologies and sin that will take you away from biblical truth. There are man-made gospels all around us, comforting counterfeits all up in our face right now. They seem good on the outside, but what they bring is destruction. And what, they ha what happens is they take you away from the things of God. So let's be a discerning people. Amen? Come on. So I pray with all my heart that we would be discerning, that we would have wisdom Wisdom and discernment are very closely related. They're married, but they are different. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. It's something that you already are aware of, you know, and it's you putting it into practice. There's a situation that comes, you're, you, you see it all, you know it all, and it's like, what am I going to do now? I'm going to use wisdom with all the knowledge that I have. I'm going to apply it right here. Discernment is different. It is the ability to obtain sharp perception 
or to judge well. Discernment is going past mere perception of something and making judgments about its properties and its qualities. So discernment is actually the thing that people tell us not to do all the time. Don't judge me. Don't judge. Don't judge. Well, actually, we're supposed to be judging well. We're supposed to be seeing situations, hearing what people are saying, and we're supposed to judge it if it's according to the Word of God or not. So I pray that we would all be able to do that as we walk into this new year. Come on, we also see in 1 Corinthians that discernment, discerning between spirits is a spiritual gift. We need to want that. We need to pray for it. We need to say, God, you are a discerning God, and I am your child. You made me in your image, so God, give me this spiritual gift so that I could see these things. Because the times are wicked, and the devil loves to deceive people. And we are not so high and mighty that we cannot be deceived in this hour. You have to stay in step with the Spirit. You have to ask the Lord to sharpen you and help you to have discernment. I want to go to 1 Kings 3. We've all heard of Solomon, the great king that asked for wisdom. He is the son of David. He took over the throne for King David. And I want to give you just an example of his heart, an example of him using the discernment that God has given him. So I'm going to read through the whole chapter. It said, Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married his daughter. He brought her to the city of David until he finished building his palace and the temple of the Lord and the wall around Jericho, uh, Jerusalem. The people, however, were still sacrificing at the high places because the temple had not been yet built in the name of the Lord. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given him by his father, David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place, and Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want to, for me to give to you. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given his son to sit on the throne to this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. I pray that that would be our prayer as we go into ministry for the rest of our, our lives. God, give me a discerning heart so that I can lead your people better. Give me a discerning heart so that I am able to give the advice that you would give to people and I do not lead them astray. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased with Solomon that he had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering, administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings, and you will walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and a command as David your father did. I will give you long life. Then Solomon awoke, and he realized that it was a dream. He returned to Jerusalem, stood before the ark of the Lord's covenant, and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then he gave a feast for all of his court. Powerful. As God came to Solomon... And asked him, if I can give you anything, it's like a genie almost, if, if you could have anything, what would you have? What would you ask of me? And how many of us can actually be honest and say, the things that we pray for in our prayer closet sometimes don't sound like King Solomon. Sometimes they actually sound like, give me wealth, give me this, give me health, which aren't bad things in itself. But why don't we start now with going into our prayer closet because of the times that we're living in, your money's not going to save you, but your discernment will. 
So when you are in your prayer closet right now, stop asking just for wealth and health and houses and cars and and marriages and all of those great things that God has for you. Start asking for a wise and discerning heart so that you can lead the people of God and that you can stay away from bad doctrine, bad theology, and you can be able to spot it a mile away and say, I'm staying away from that. That is deceiving. Come on. The first thing I want you to be able to do is to discern the times. Let's look, turn to Luke 12. We didn't even go through the example of Solomon, but we all, I believe that we all know it as Bible college students. It talks about two prostitutes that come before the king, and when they were sleeping, they both had a son, and one of the sons died because the mother laid on her child, which actually does happen, um, laid on the child, and while that one died, the other mother thought she was sneaky, got up, took, the, took her dead child, gave it to the woman, and took the live child for herself. And obviously, a mother knows her child, knew it wasn't her child, the live one was hers, so they go to the king, he uses his wisdom and discernment that the Lord had just given him, that he had requested, and he comes up with a great plan. He said, bring me my sword. They bring me a sword, and they say, I'm going to cut the child in half. I'm going to give half to you and half to you, and you guys go be happy. And, of course, the mother with the caring heart says, no, 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 no. Let the child live. Give, give her the child. I would rather have him alive. And that is how the king knew this is the real mother, right? He put into practice what God had given to him. We can do the same Ask for discernment, ask for wisdom, and then put it into practice because God is going to give it to you. He was pleased with King Solomon when he asked for it. He will be pleased with you when you ask for it. And even in James, he says he gives to all without finding fault. He will give it to you as much as you want. Amen? Amen. Are we at Luke 12, verse 54, please? We're going to discern the times. He said to the crowd, this is Jesus talking, he said, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, it's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say, it's going to be hot, and it is. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and of the sky, but how is it that you do not know how to interpret the present time? He's talking to some church people right now. How are you so blind, you hypocrites, that you can look at the sky and the natural world and predict things to be true, but when you're looking at these spiritual things, you are blind as a bat? Let's go to Matthew 24. Because Jesus told us ahead of time what was to come. He didn't hide it from us. If you read your Bible, you'll understand the times that we're living in. But people are putting blindfolds on their eyes on purpose and just saying, we got to be loving. We got to be kind. No, you got to preach the gospel because people are going to die and go to hell. Matthew 24, verse 4 through 8. It says, Jesus said, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. Jesus told us, and yet still there are people coming saying, I am the Messiah, and many are being deceived. He told you. What's wrong with you? Open up your ears. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Do you not see the birth pains? They're happening all around us, and they have been happening for a while, but they are increasing as our time on this earth is increasing. In this time in our generation, we are closer to the return of Jesus than we ever have been before. That is a true statement. No matter even even if he was to tarry for another hundred years, we are still closer to the return of Christ than we ever have been before. We are in the birth pains. Can you discern the times? Go down to verse 37, please. Come on. It says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark. 
and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. And then it goes on to say two men will be there, two women, one will be gone. I'm leaving. They can stay. I'm, I'm one of those women that are just leaving, okay? <laughs> Come on, but what are you discerning during these times? Everything that we are doing right now should be preparing us for the king's return. We should be watching our doctrine closely. We should be staying in step with the spirit of God. We should be preaching the gospel on the streets of Chicago and everywhere around this world because Jesus told us ahead of time what it would look like. And we as his children should be discerning. We should be able to look and say, I recognize this. This looks like what Jesus said to me in the word of God. People were looking at Noah like he was crazy too until it started to rain. And there are some people right now that are more woke to these social justice movements. They're more woke to the things happening in culture than they are to the move of the spirit of God even in the church. And if you are more work woke to the culture, you cannot be woke to the Spirit of God. You can't do both. You can't. It's one or the other. Either you are woke to what is happening in the culture or you are awakened and enlightened by the Spirit of God. You can't mix both. Come on. Hallelujah. There are some people even in the church right now. I hear some crazy, crazy things from Christians that if you are sounding the alarm, if you are a watchman, if you are just fear-mongering, telling everybody that there's a hell and trying to, trying to um, get, them, get them scared into heaven, basically, you're not doing it right. You should just, you don't do it different. Be at peace. Say it like this. Say it like that. Come on, they did the same thing to Noah. And we need to tell those people that they should be sounding the alarm also. You can be a discerning person and be 100% at peace. Just because we're preaching and saying, hey, there's a hell and we're discerning the times and we're sounding the alarm doesn't mean that we're just these alarmists that don't know how to control ourselves, have no self-control, have no peace. We are 100% at peace. I'm happy. I love my life. I have joy of the Lord. I have the fruit of the Spirit. I'm walking in step with the Spirit of God. I'm enjoying the life that God has given me. But at the same time, I can still sound the alarm for people around me and say, hey, you better get right or get left, right? Come on, it's not an either or, it's a both and. You could be full of peace and still be a preacher of the gospel that tells the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Come on, it's time that all of us are able to discern the times. Wake up. Wake up. Do not allow yourself to go into a slumber. Do not be so consumed with what is happening out there, especially as Bible college students, not the ones only in this room, but every Bible college student that goes to this school needs to wake up to the move of the Spirit of God, not to move of the social justice movement in our culture. Come on, hallelujah. The next thing I want you to be able to discern is when a different gospel is being preached. If you can go to Galatians 1, 6 through 9, Paul is speaking here, and it says, uh, 1, 6 through 9, please. It says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse, which means let them be eternally condemned. 
Paul is dealing with situations in his church at that time where Jew, Gentiles are now coming into the grace of Jesus Christ, being engrafted in through faith and all of this beautiful stuff. That's why so many of you get to sit in this room today and, and have and partake in the salvation. But there were Jews at that time that were very traditional, and they started telling the Gentiles, hey, you're not doing it right. We're not going to sit with you. You're uncircumcised. You still have to be saved according to this, this, and this. They wanted to put law on it. They were Judaizers. And Paul is telling them, you guys are fools. You're hypocrites. This is not how salvation works anymore. So it is a different gospel. The gospel that was preached to them was the gospel of Jesus Christ, that it was through grace by faith. So if it is not, let's go to uh, verse 6 one time. It says, I'm going to read it one more time. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. It is the gospel of Christ. And this is one thing that stuck out to me because we're starting to see preachers, professors, and the like all go into a weird world of where they want to mix what's happening in the world with the gospel, and it doesn't make sense, and I'm not sure why they're not awake right now, because maybe they're too woke to what's happening out there. They're starting to fall asleep to what this is actually saying, but it is not the gospel of BLM. You cannot mix the gospel of the BLM organization and the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ stands alone. You cannot add anything to it, and you do not take anything away from it. There is power in the name of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. It is not the gospel of BLM. It is not the gospel of critical race theory. It is not the gospel of black versus white. It is not the gospel of love is love. It is not the gospel of women's rights. Those are false gospels, and they will lead you to hell. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if anything is being preached to you or taught to you that doesn't teach that you are one in Christ Jesus, that there is neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free nor female nor, nor male, that we are all one in Christ Jesus and that we have all come from Abraham's seed because we have been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, then they are preaching to you a false gospel. I want you to be able to discern when it is a false gospel being presented to you in your classroom. I don't care where you're at. I don't care if you're in Bible college. If it is a professor who's been in ministry for 20 years, I don't care if he has a PhD. If he is preaching to you something different than what I just said to you, he is preaching to you a false gospel and you do not receive that. Come on, it is not based upon the gospel of Jesus Christ is not based upon who we were born from naturally. It is who we've been born again by, by the Spirit of God. I don't care where you came from, what you look like, what is your natural language, your first language. I don't care any of that. If you have been washed in the blood of Jesus, you are my brother and you are my sister. And we stand hand in hand, black, white, purple. I don't care what color you are. We are going to go forth for the kingdom of God and destroy the works of the devil on this earth. The moment that we start separating each other because of race, because of language, because of the way that we look, we are going down a bad, bad place, and it is a place that will lead you to destruction. Only the devil brings division. The devil loves division. The devil loves to point at you and say, you guys don't look alike. You can't really be brother and sister. You're different. You're this. You're that. He's a liar. He is a liar. And too many in the church are accepting this nonsense. Come on, anything that is preached to you that is not Christ-centered but man-centered is another gospel. And that is what these things are. They're centered around man, your feelings, what you think actually happened. I mean, it has nothing to do with Scripture they take these man-made ideas and sprinkle a little bit of Jesus on it and try to tell you that that's actually what you need to go, go towards now. It's nonsense. Come on, the greatest separation that we have watched throughout this year has been in the church. 
We have watched God expose what is in the hearts of Christians during this time. His light has been shining right on it, and it is grieving. But what we want to ask God to continue to shine his light, even though it's grieving, even though it hurts, even though we lose family and friends and people that we love. Keep shining your light, Jesus. Expose it all. Expose it all. We want a real move of Christ Jesus on this earth. Come on. Another gospel is always going to sound good on the outside. It's going to appear right. It's a counterfeit. But these ideologies, these ideas that are coming at you every which way have come from the devil himself, and he's whispered it into the ears of men, and he's allowed it to be intertwined with the real gospel. So all of a sudden, when you now believe that, you can't tell what's right and wrong anymore because you've been blinded. Come on. One of the examples that we see in our lifetime is socialism. And I don't want to act like I'm an expert on these topics because I'm not, but I know enough to tell you to stay away from it. <laughs> socialism is an idea that was implanted into the mind of man from the devil, but it looks good and it sounds good. To those that are not discerning, it sounds fair. It sounds like freedom. But it has destroyed lives. And we see that that has happened in countries like Venezuela and other places that have accepted this type of um, ideology and government. They thought they were getting fairness. They thought they were getting freedom. But what they got was destruction. Women's rights. On the outside, it looks right. I am a woman. I feel empowered. You're giving me rights to do what I want to do with my body. That's powerful. I'm so empowered right now. But behind that facade, behind that platform, there's 60 million babies that have been killed in abortion clinics. BLM, lift up black lives. They matter. Stop police brutality. Stop racism. There is not one person in this room that wouldn't say Black Lives Matter, we don't want police brutality, and we hate racism. All of us would say that. We want those things to end. We do not want that in our cities, in our country, in our nation. It is not right. But BLM has this facade, and you see it, and it looks good, and it will deceive the church because it sounds good. And now, now pastors are like, Black Lives Matter. Let me hashtag, oh, all of us in our church are going to put up the black thing on our Facebook to represent black lives. Not knowing that they're standing on a platform of Planned Parenthood, which is the number one killer of African Americans. Do you not see how the devil is mocking the church right now? They want to destroy the idea of the nuclear family. The very thing that destroyed the black communities is what they're standing for. They want to remove fathers from the home. They want to promote transgenderism. They want to promote this love is love, homosexuality, freedom. It's just freedom. Everybody's free. He's mocking your community. Satan is mocking the black community while thousands of people are raising this banner of Black Lives Matter that is standing on these organizations and these ideas that have destroyed black lives for decades. He has them running through the streets promoting it, the very thing that destroyed them. Mind-blowing. CRT, critical race theory. I don't know much about it, but basically because I'm white, I am racist. I know that much. <laughs> it's the view that the law and legal institutions are inherently racist and that race itself, instead of being biologically grounded and natural, right? Like I came from my mom and my dad and that's why I have what I have. It is a socially constructed concept that is used by white people to further their economic and political interests at the expense of the people of color. So now here we are, 
as pastors at a big round table with some white people, about two, two, three white pastors, and the rest African-American pastors. And you have the white pastors standing up saying, I'm so sorry for being white. I'm so embarrassed. I am so embarrassed that I am white. It is racist. What they're trying to fight racism with is racism. That doesn't work. I'm telling you, it's the devil. The devil is using the very thing that he wants to control and takes that thing to try to fight that thing. It doesn't make any sense. And the church is blind because they've allowed it into their minds and in their hearts. And now they're on this road to destruction. Come on, we, I, I am not ashamed of being white, okay? I had nothing to do with it. Nothing. <laughs> the Bible says that God knit me together in my mother's womb. The Bible says that God knit you together in your mother's womb. You did not choose to be black. I did not choose to be white. You did not choose to be Mexican and so on and so forth. We were chosen by God, given on this earth, put together very carefully in our mother's womb and born into this world with a purpose and a plan to destroy the works of the enemy. You don't have to be embarrassed about what God has made you. Don't let anyone tell you you need to be embarrassed. You are not racist just because you were born a certain color or you look a certain way. The devil is a liar. I wish Christians would get a backbone. Come on. It's so crazy because we always talk about the Western way of doing church, and we've seen that our Western way has led to this um, performance-type ministry, right? Big name, big pastors, big churches, nice cars. There's nothing wrong with nice cars. They just go with that whole big name, big pastor, big thing. But if you have a nice car, it's okay. <laughs> but we've gone into this performance-type of ministry, and we have allowed compromise and churches don't even evangelize. They don't do discipleship. They don't keep their people accountable. We've come, become so uh, concerned with political correctness. And this was before this year. This has been, I mean, years that the Western way of doing church is not right. But here we are as smart Westerners <laughs> now sitting here talking about critical race theory and trying to come up with the ideas to, to bring unity in the body of Christ, and it is all garbage. Do you think that the people being murdered in the Middle East right now are talking about stuff like this? Do you think that Christians that are getting their heads chopped off are thinking about stuff like this? No, they are talking about the true gospel of Jesus Christ. We are a joke in this nation. Christianity in America is a joke compared to what our sisters and brothers are facing all around this world. Come on, don't be deceived. Is it any chance or coincidence that during the greatest time to be alive, the ground is ripe for revival, my friends? It is time to put your hand to the plow and work. Is it any accident that pastors are sitting around round tables talking about critical race theory and BLM organization and this garbage instead of putting their hands to the plow when the revival could be right at our fingertips? Come on, don't be deceived. Satan is the master distractor. And that is what he is doing to the church. He's dangling things in front of the church's face, and they're just going for it. Oh, well, what is it this week? Let's get on our podcast and talk about it. Let's bring more guests onto our podcast and just talk about it, because we're really making a difference in the world just talking about the differences between white and black. How about we stop talking about our differences and start talking about the things we have similarities? How about the similarity that we were washed in the blood of Jesus, and it don't matter what color your skin is? Don't let him distract you. Discern the times. 
discern when you're being preached at, and it's a different gospel. And I want you to be able to discern your own way. Are you awake to the Spirit of God that is leading you, guiding you? Are you able to recognize the little foxes in your life that will spoil the entire vineyard? I want you to go to Song of Solomon 2.15. I know there's a lot of jokes about Song of Solomon, like, be careful if you read this and you're not married. <laughs> it's a love story. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's in our Bible for a reason. It's beautiful. It might be Song of Songs. But there is, it's a love story you, between a man and a woman, a bride and a groom. And basically, they're telling each other that they love each other and there's no one greater than you. There's no one fairer in all the earth. It's so beautiful. Okay, verse uh, 15, please. Uh, up a little bit, please. Let's go from 14. It says, my dove in the clefts of the rock, in the hiding places. I have to read it like that with a different voice. The hiding places on the mountainside, show me your face, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that will ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. This couple understands that though they love each other, though they think they're the most beautiful, you're so handsome, all that stuff, that if they don't catch the little things that get into their relationship, if they don't catch the little foxes, their love can grow cold for one another. How much more your love for the Lord? You have to catch the little foxes. Do you recognize the little foxes in your life? Can you discern the foxes? Can you discern when you're allowing yourself to become numb? When your eyes are intrigued by sin, can you discern it? Let's go to Matthew 5. Matthew 5, 21. Jesus is teaching here the Sermon of the Mount. He's giving so many great lessons, and it says here, we're talking about murder. It says, have you not heard that it said, People long ago, you should not murder, but anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. So basically, if you say in your heart, Raka, or you're fool, without a cause, you are in danger of hellfire. So Jesus just flipped the script on them. Hey, in the law, you heard that if you murder, literally murder someone, you are subject to judgment. But I'm telling you, if you even hate them in your minds, you are the same. You are... In that same judgment, you will go to hell. Now go to adultery. It's 527, uh, I believe. It says, you have heard that it is said you should not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gauge it out and throw it away, for it is better for you to lose one part of your body for than your whole body to be thrown into hell. Jesus is teaching them that even what comes into their mind will defile them. Because sin doesn't stop here. It starts here. We just learned about Carl Lentz, right? And that's the only reason that we can say his name because his name is all out there right now that he has fallen. Carl Lentz did not just one day decide to go have a double life and be in a relationship with a Muslim woman and have this secret affair. It didn't just happen all of the sudden. It happened a few years ago when he had the thought in his mind of doing something against the will of God, and he didn't catch it. He didn't catch the fox. He liked it. He liked what that thought made him feel like. He liked how his body felt when he thought it. We can't be naive, you guys. You have to understand. I don't care if you're married or you're single. You're always going to be in the, as, well, you're not always going to be in this world, but as you are in this world before you go be with Jesus, there are going to be other people that are attractive. You're going to see a woman and think she's beautiful. You're going to see a man and think that he, well, not, hopefully not the men, women. <laughs> if, that, if that's your struggle, we could, we could deal with it. 
<laughs> but listen, there's going to be people in your life that are attractive. It is na- it's naive to think for me as, my, as a, a married woman that my husband will never think another woman is pretty ever again in his life. I am the most beautiful. I'm the only one he looks at. And yes, he only has eyes for me in that sense. But I understand that there's beauty in this world. God made beautiful people. They're everywhere. But you guys don't be so naive to be like um, silly with it, to think that there's not going to be people that are beautiful. Guard your heart, man. You don't have to lust over every single thing that you see. You don't have to go the way that you have seen other people go. Can you imagine what it would have been like for Carl Lentz if the moment he had a thought in his mind in 2017 or 2016, whenever these things started happening in his life, if he had the thought and he actually went to the brother next to him and said, I am having a thought. I know I'm a married man with three children, but I am having this thought right now about this person, and I don't want it in my mind. Help me. Help me get it out. Because I know that it is going to destroy my life. And the Bible says that it doesn't only destroy your marriage and your children. What it does in the book of Proverbs, it tells us a person that commits adultery also destroys his own soul. You're destroying your own soul. He destroyed his soul. And yes, there's grace. He's still alive. Everybody who is still alive has an opportunity to be forgiven because God's grace is so good. But he cannot get back what he lost. And though his wife may stay with him and all of that stuff, guys, I just want you to understand the seriousness of what it means when you don't take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. It starts in your mind. It starts there. Guard your hearts. Guard your mind in Christ Jesus. Tell your feelings and your desires that they have to bow before Christ. Even as crazy as they may be, even as embarrassing as they may be, whatever comes, until we get rid of this flesh, we're always going to deal with temptation. And thank God, God doesn't just expose all of us like this is what you have thought about in the past. That's nobody's business. But I promise you, you need to be accountable with somebody. You need to have people in your life that you're seriously real with. These are the thoughts that I'm having, and I can't handle them, or I can't, I don't know how to make them obedient to Christ. I don't want it to turn into an action. A thought, if it doesn't, if it remains in your mind, if it remains in your heart, it will always turn into an action. It's only a matter of time. Come on, the devil loves to give you a facade of what things will look like if you just did what your thought is telling you to do. Oh, it'll be so good. It looks so good. It'll be so good. It's a facade, man. He's lying to you. You know, I know there's sayings out there like the grass is greener on the other side. It doesn't only apply to marriages and things like that. It's just anything. Your heart can become envious of somebody else's job, of anything. Just apply it to your own life wherever it fits. The grass is greener on the other side. Listen, if the grass looks greener in somebody else's life, all you need to do is nurture what God has given to you and your grass will begin to grow and it will be nurtured and it will be beautiful just like your neighbor. You don't need your neighbor's grass. Take care of your own grass and it will be just as beautiful. Let's go to Romans 12. Each of us has to be honest, be accountable, And make sure things get out of our hearts and our minds. Guard yourself at any cost. The Bible says in Romans 12, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It's all through the mind. It says, be renewed in your mind, and then you can discern. If you are not renewed in your mind, you will not know which way God is leading you. You will not know God's will for your life. You will not know anything. You need to renew your mind. Stop conforming to the patterns of this world, whether it be sin, whether it be ideologies, whether it be any of that garbage. Stop conforming to the patterns of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind and discern. Come on, discernment comes after renewal. 
but it's not a one-time thing. You need to constantly be renewing your mind. You guys are always faced with temptation. I mean, this generation has more access to pornography than any generation that has ever lived in the past. Those things used to be shameful. Now it's on our TVs. Now it's in these music videos with, what's her name? Nikki, is it Nikki Minaj? Cardi B. Nicki Minaj is probably nasty too, but Cardi B, yes. Disgusting. Absolutely filthy. Filthy. You do not want a woman like Cardi B, okay? Do not let the world lie to you. This is what the devil does, right? He puts a picture in front of you and says, this is good. This looks nice. But as soon as you walk through that door, you're on the road to destruction and it destroys your life. The same thing we just talked about with all those other things. It looks good. It sounds good. It's attractive to my eye. It's attractive to my body. It will destroy your life. It is absolute filth. But you guys are consumed, or what's the word? It's always around you with these pictures, these images, these movies, and all of this stuff. Man, guard your hearts. Guard your mind. You can live in this generation and never fall into those things ever again. You do not have to look at pornography. I don't care if you're a man or a woman. It is not only a man's sin. There are women who are also addicted to things like that. You do not have to do that ever again in your entire life. You can be pure. You can be holy. You can fight those temptations and overcome and find a way out every single time. That is what Jesus has told you, that he has given you a way out. Oh, Whatever your mind is consumed with, that is what your body will do. That is what you will follow. So a practical way of how to do this, what do we consume? What do we start putting into our minds? What do we have our mind be consumed with? Very good, class. The word of God. You will, if you are consuming this thing, if you are eating the word of God day and night, meditating on the law of the Lord, you will not fall for the schemes of the devil. You will be able to discern the times. You will be able to discern the things that our people are saying that are false. You will be able to discern your own way and say, hey, I see that fox. You better get out of my life. Oh, I just had that thought. Nope, I make it obedient to Christ. You will be quick to do those things. People who fall into sin are not doing this. There is never a person that you will find that has fallen into sin that has been studying the word of God, spending time with Jesus intentionally, guarding their heart, guarding their mind. There is not one person. It is always the person that lets their guards down, that stops doing devotions, that stops spending time with Jesus as much, that has been on their phone too much, not listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit as you're scrolling and he says, stop scrolling, get off and move, get out of your bed right now and go downstairs. Come on, the Holy Spirit speaks to you and those are the people that ignore it and say, nope, I'm just going to do what I'm doing right now and whoop, I fell into sin. Well, you had ignored the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's not by accident. Come on, go to Psalm 1. There are people, like I said, who fall into sin. People like Carl Lentz. People who have even left our church. And I just want you to understand it doesn't happen all of a sudden. These are thoughts that they did not control. Carl Lentz left his family and his wife long before he went and had an affair with that Muslim woman. He left them here. People that leave this church, it's not all of a sudden just one day they make that decision. It's a thought first. And I'm not talking about people that leave in the right way. People that leave this church under discipline, shouldn't be leaving. God has called them here. They leave because they started contemplating it here without sharing it. And you'll know that when you start talking to them and they start bringing up all kinds of stuff. And you're like, wait, I thought this was the issue. I thought this was why you're leaving. Well, no, this, 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 this. It's like, okay, well, why didn't you deal with those thoughts before? They left far before the moment that they actually left. Let's be consumed with the word of God. It says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners take or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. 
that person is a, like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its season, uh, its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so for the wicked. They are like chaff that are, the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So the one that is planted by streams of water is the one that meditates on the law of the Lord. That is the one that prospers. That is the one that is not going to be easily deceived. One that meditates on his law. Let's be people of God that meditate on the law of the Lord, that devour this so that you can be a discerning people, so you can have a discerning heart. And Lawrence, if you will come, let us now pray the same prayer that Solomon did. When Jesus comes to you, he told you in the, in the word of God, whatever you ask in my name, I will give to you. And so many times, like I said earlier, we come with these requests that are not bad. They're not bad things. But what we need during these times is a discerning heart. And he is pleased when we ask for that, and he will give it to you. So let's stand and let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, I ask you that we would be a discerning people. I ask you, God, that my brothers and sisters in this room and those watching online, oh God, that they would be able to discern the times that they would be able to discern, oh God, when people are preaching to them a different gospel, that they would be able to discern their own way, that they would be, give a careful uh, mind, oh God, that they would be careful in the, everywhere that they step, their feet, where their feet go, where their hands go, the things that they say, the things that they see, and the things that they hear, oh God. I pray that they would be quick to catch the little foxes in their own life, Jesus. Oh, would you help us guard our hearts and our minds? Would you help us, oh God, to take every thought captive and make it obedient to you? Jesus, would you help us? Lord, we don't want to be led astray. We do not want to be one of the ones, oh God, that, that are apostate in these last days, oh God, that go in an opposite direction. God, we know that the devil is deceiving. We know, God, that things are not always as they appear that the devil lies to us, that it's a facade many times where he shows us things are going to be a certain way, but he's lying. I pray, God, for discerning hearts in this place. Jesus, I thank you, Lord.